Wizard of Whiskey presents Swig and Ramble, a podcast for the modern age. Come for the whiskey, stay for the shit show. Featuring Justin Curry at Wizard of Whiskey, Mark Pruitt at Resonant Prose, and Julian Men at The Wee Tipple. And now, pour yourself a drink and enjoy the show. I know you will. <sighs> I love that intro. That's really funny. Um, <clears throat> Uh, for those who don't know, I'm Justin Corey at Wizard of Whiskey, uh, here with two super degenerates who just happen to be 87-year-old uh, curmudgeons. How are we doing tonight, guys? I'm Aces. I'm Julia Men from the Wee Tipple. I'm Mark Pruitt, resident pros. I haven't had enough to drink yet, but we'll get to that. We'll get there for sure. Um, so, yeah, um, let's jump right into the news. It's been a big week, um, <clears throat> rather a big month. Um, we're coming off the end of, of Women's History Month. Um, Lexi Phillips, who wants to jump on that? I think this is fantastic news. Um, I think she's the right person for the job. I, I think it's fantastic. She happens to be a celebrated woman in the industry. Uh, I think the news has been very well received. Uh, I think that this is fantastic and positive all around, and I hope I hope there's an opportunity she can come sit in the chair and, and talk to us about it. And I'm not sure we said Lexi Phillips is has just been announced as Jack Daniels' first female assistant distiller. Uh, she's worked with Jack Daniels for the past seven years and is now stepping up to work alongside master distiller Chris Fletcher. So congratulations, Lexi. Well thank, done. Thank you for the six o'clock news headline, Julia. I got you, Mark. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I think it's great. I I... I mean, I think we need to see more female distillers uh, in the industry. Um, just to kind of throw this out there, females do have the best noses in the business. Um, that's why most of the master blenders out there um, are, are females, whether they're the official master blenders or not. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I think this is super exciting. I mean, she's been there for a long time. I think we're going to start to see, uh, I mean, Jack Daniels is one of the most profitable brands in the world. I think we're going to start to see a lot more women in these roles. And damn it, it's about time. Yeah. Here, here. Cheers. I shall drink to that. Cheers, everyone. That's a, that's a great thing to drink to. In other news, for all you Irish pot still lovers out there, Blue Spot is now being released across the United States at select retailers. In case you don't know, Blue Spot is aged for seven years, and the spot whiskeys are actually named after the way that they were marked when they started being created uh, quite a number of years ago, the color of paint was used to indicate on the barrels aging uh, down in the catacombs the age, uh, the year of the whiskey. So blue spot, seven years, baby. How do you apply for a job where a place has catacombs? I, I, <laughs> I want to understand that because I'd, I'd like to be you know, the chamber master of the catacombs or have some cool title like that. You gotta go um, to Europe. Well, That's where they have the catacombs. <laughs> First episode, ladies and gentlemen, and we're already planning on the Swig and Ramble catacombs. So it's gonna be wild. How far of a drive is that from, from California? Depends on which way you go. Uh, so this blue spot, it's it's new to me. I'm I'm gonna fully admit to being a little bit ignorant here. Tell me, tell me more about it. What do you what do you know conversationally about it? Oh uh, well, it is a pot still whiskey, 
aged for seven years. Uh, and it's from Ireland. So Ireland is renowned for their pot still whiskey which is a specific way of making whiskey using malted and unmalted barley. And it actually comes from typical Irish trying to dodge the tax man. So England actually uh, imposed tariffs on malted barley so that Irish was like, fuck you, and we're just going to use unmalted barley in our whiskey making. And that is how uh, they came came up with the pot still, which is unique to Ireland and gives it a very distinctive spicy characteristic. So cheers, good on them for sticking it to the man. Hold on, I just got a phone call. The sensor's called and you can't use the word fuck. Oh, shit, tits. Well, Sorry. interesting. So as I actually fucking love unmalted um, product. Um, so for instance, the the Irish whiskeys that are using unmalted uh, barley, they have this very distinct uh, flavor profile, floral, spicy mm. um non-typical as you know as you would see in something like uh, a scotch on the other side of the the sea or on the other side of the world uh you know a, a kentucky bourbon um what i love about irish whiskey in this particular case these um the blue spot they're all they're pretty much using ex bourbon ex sherry and ex madeira casks three of my favorite casks so um <clears throat> the the combination of what they're using is just super fun uh, i can't wait to try this one I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to to getting a bottle here very soon so I got to throw something at you guys, because I've got this theory, and I think it's maybe there's a little traction to this. I think we can all agree that Irish whiskey, it's its about being smooth. It's about having that sort of smooth experience, right? But now you've got this phenomenon where they're aging it in ex-bourbon barrels. And I would venture to say that the hallmark of American bourbon is a little bit more of a rough flavor, you know, a little bit more of a rough edge that's going on. What's happening with that? Why is that going on? What are, what are, what are they trying to do with that? I'm not so sure it is because bourbon is typically very sweet compared to Irish and Scotch because they char it and that charring, depending on how intense the charring is, brings out those vanilla, those caramel notes, those really, really sweet notes. But that's not a smooth character, though. That's that's a that's a flavor character. I'm just talking about just that kind of rough punch in the mouth that you get from, sure. uh, for example, that's, what's in my glass, the bourbon. And that's why you want that second fill barrel because that barrel, that ex bourbon cask, has because it's brand new. When it when bourbon goes in, when you know the white spirit goes in, it sucks a ton of caramel, sucks a lot of the vanillin all the tan, not all of the tannin, but a lot of the tannin out. So what you get is this brilliant barrel for second use, something where you don't want a ton of the oak taking over, but you do want the secondary esters from that barrel to still be able to get, you know, the, the clean spirit from Ireland or Scotland, which is why ton of tequila, a lot of scotch, a lot of Irish, a lot of Canadian whiskeys, they're, they're using ex-bourbon barrels, number one, because barrels are expensive, and bourbon can only use them once. Uh, and number two, um, because if you were to use a brand new barrel with Irish whiskey, it would just taste like lemongrass <laughs> because you don't want to toast the hell out of it the way we do here. We don't want an alligator pour char on a, on a nice, soft, unmalted barley pot stilled whiskey because it would just destroy the flavor profile of that whiskey. So you throw it into a next bourbon cask, you blend it together with the next Madeira cask, and you've got this really nice, soft, beautiful thing but really the flavors but sorry but the flavors been thrown into overdrive 
I think that's that's my point is they're really kind of stepping up they're they're moving away from the idea of smoke and band-aids and iodine and you know now you're getting sherry finish now you're getting a bourbon finish a sweeter finish uh, that, I think that that's kind of a significant undertone and change oh yeah that definitely changed things uh when spain changed their bottling laws and their shipping laws for uh for sherry big casks that used to be used a lot in scotland uh you know early mid 1900s and then in i believe like the 1970s things changed again and you know with wars and stuff like that then american bourbon barrels really took over sherry aging where sherry used to be the go-to barrel, now it was all bourbon casks coming over to Scotland and then, of course, to Ireland. But I also really enjoy that sustainability and that inner cooperation and sharing and Mm -hmm. using materials. I just freaking love it when companies are sustainable and just reduce, reuse, recycle, and not waste stuff. Like they use all parts of the process and that is really cool. So I think it's fantastic that, yeah, American bourbon barrels can only be used once and yet send it over to Scotland, send it over to Ireland and India and Japan and all these other places to keep the love going. That's that's the way it's been for a really long time. Um, You'll see now, I mean, you'll see 26, 27 year old, you know, scotch that's been sitting in an ex-bourbon barrel for most of that time. They'll take an extra year or two throw it into a sherry cask, throw it into a, um, a sauterne barrel for, you know, mm. a year or two, just to get that extra flavor component at the end, at the finish, or they'll vat a couple of those together um, at the end, and you'll have this super complex, super fun thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we have to do something with all these barrels coming out of um, these, uh, these coopers here in, um, here in the U.S. Yeah, bourbon's just a passing fad. It's, it's not going to be like that much longer. Well, listen, I didn't want to take us too far down the rabbit hole. Maybe uh, write that down on one of your little post-it notes that maybe we might want to cover that in a future show. Talk about barrels on a whiskey show. I don't know about that. That could work. You know what would be really cool is if we could get somebody from a cooperage here. I I think that would be fascinating to listen to somebody talk about that. Well, if you're listening and you're a cooper and you want to come talk to us and, you know, say things like the F word, jump on in. We'll drink to that. Fucking A. Sorry, I just. <laughs> yeah, I got it. All right. Um, what's next, guys? Well, you know, a funny thing is, is when we we talk about the things that we want to talk about, I keep using this phrase, and I think it's made it into the to the lexicon, at least of the structure of the show, and. It's kind of the idea of what sours my mash, right? What 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 the fuck has got up under my skin today? So uh, I'm just going to ask, what sours my mash? What sours your mash? Fucking Mark, can I just jump in here? You know what sours my mash? Celebrity boozes. Oh boy, here we go. Sweet Christmas. Oh my Christ. We just lost a bunch of guests. Yeah, I know. All of them, really. All of them. They all just went away. Because... <laughs> I mean, there are so many celebrities, and sure, I'm sure some of them might do some good stuff, but it's just, is it just me or is it getting a little out of control, right? Okay, so take, for instance, Snoop Dogg. 
we know him we probably love him but like what <sighs> okay so for those of you who don't know he has a couple of different uh, alcoholic beverages for adults out there one he has a wine from uh, part of the 19 crimes brand which don't even get me started on 19 crimes um but he has his own 19 crimes brand did you know he makes two dollars off of every single bottle sold do you know how many bottles he's selling just because he's snoop dogg like what the fuck like ah this isn't good wine but oh my god he's just rolling in it so yeah okay there might be a little bit of a jealousy factor but still ah it makes me cringe like get behind something good you realize we're gonna have to delete this episode when we have a swig and ramble barrel pick yeah 100 percent. although i don't think anyone would ever call us celebrities i've never made a movie with kim and diaz i've never uh been on a martin scorsese film i mean yes I tell you what if any of yeah. us do that then we can go back and we can retract this but until I mean, then you know you can be a celebrity without having a fucking tequila brand. Right? A long time ago, when I wore a younger man's clothes, I was thrown out of a uh, broadcast party for chatting up one of the talent. And I was reminded as I was thrown out the door to not talk to the talent. So maybe I, I could, I'm a celebrity. Let's just call it. Yeah, yeah, you are. I mean, I've hobnobbed perhaps my shoulders. I'm not going to name drop, but I had some good times in New York City. And you know what? My acting days might be on pause for now, but who knows what the future holds. But as, yeah. So so I'm going to come to the defense just a little bit. Uh, with with your with your example, I'm I'm hard pressed to disagree that uh, there's maybe just a little bit of name recognition that's happening. I recently did an interview with somebody who has a lot of stature in the the rock and metal world and this person represents the good side of this. This person is probably this summer going to be spending time at an actual distillery, um, you know, moving things around, just doing things in the distillery that are, for lack of a better term, work, right? So this person isn't lending their name to something and not putting in the work. This person's actually at the distillery, learning about it, doing the work, uh, being a total and complete geek about it. So there's two ends of the spectrum that are definitely happening that, that, you know, you know, I don't know, there's definitely a dark side to it. And, and I don't want to trigger anybody, but has ever anybody heard this, the 818 tequila thing? No. Yeah, I think that's, that's Kendall Jenner. And I, I mean, there's nothing on the planet that I've ever cared less about than the Kardashians or the Jenners. But again, it's, you've got your, hands and everything on the planet every, for some reason people want to support everything these idiots do and so now why not launch a tequila i guess the douchebag from sex in the city has his own tequila too chris chris no um so yeah i thoughts on kindle jenner i don't know i have zero thoughts on them uh, i'm just i'm hard pressed to fault anyone that puts their name on a label and it becomes white hot and it sells out in five minutes, even though it's probably complete and total crap. Oh, I mean, um, it is a genius money move. Absolutely. Like good on them. For... But that's the problem. They're not doing it for the love of it. They're doing it for the fact that yeah. somebody's got a couple of barrels of tequila sitting around and they're doing a short run and slapping somebody's name on it. 
to get it out the door. I mean, I think that's something we can all agree is kind of bullshit in the industry. But then again, you've got whatever the multi-billion dollar acquisition of the the superstar brands. Uh, who's the guy who had the the tequila brand that just sold for a kajillion dollars? Mm. Come on, you know who I'm talking about. No, I, I Pretty don't. boy guy. Clooney. Oh. Casamigos, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. I'm reading this this quick blurb about, I, I was distracted because I'm reading this thing about 818. After dozens of blind taste tests, trips to our distillery and entering in the world of tasting competitions anonymously and winning. They're talking, this is apparently this Jenner person talking about their tequila. Um just as a heads up, it takes more than a few dozen blind taste tests to to appreciate a spirit. I mean, I, I get that. Um, I get that you have a name. You have name recognition. You yourself are a brand. Kendall Jenner is a brand. It's like Mercedes or Pepsi. You know, this is marketing 101. But please stop, <laughs> I think is my point. But you you hit it on the head. It's marketing. It's genius marketing. Yep. I didn't say genius. I said it's marketing. Come on. It's genius. Dude. That shit sold out in a, a matter of minutes. That doesn't mean it's good. That just means people are sheep. Well, that's well, a whole other discussion. Was, yes, that's that's a that's a different discussion. The quality yeah. of the quality of a product is inverse to the money spent marketing it. Absolutely. Like going back to Snoop Dogg, he also has his own gin that was recently launched, and for some reason, for some reason foolishly thought maybe it was going to be good and they tout that it's made with like real strawberries and la-di-da and then I tasted it and I'm like one you didn't even need to taste it you could just smell it and smell the artificial flavoring it was that intense it was like medicine or candy and then you tasted it and it just confirmed what you were getting on the nose and I'm like this isn't gin this is like a mixer to make a, a strawberry margarita or a strawberry daiquiri. And I was just like, yeah, going back to the lack of quality. That's a bummer. At least it's not cashing in on the marketing trope of being clean or organic or whatever other bullshit <laughs> is attached to that whole three, cottage took us, industry. Took us three minutes to get the camera needs, guys. Come on. Yeah. Um, Clean, organic wine. Wine, they can feel good about drinking. What? I don't know about you guys. I feel good drinking pretty much any wine I've ever had. Yeah, I, I don't get that. real good inside. Organic, I get. But clean, what the fuck does clean mean? It doesn't. It, it doesn't mean, mean anything. Nor does, I, for that matter, organic. But that's neither here nor there. We'll get into and, that later. And I don't want to get dark, but I don't drink to feel good. I drink to, you know to feel fucked up right you know isn't that isn't that the whole point no I mean, for, for some people sure i mean i i taste a, a ton of wine every year you know through through the career and through through what i'm doing and um i don't think i've ever cared a, even once about a gimmicky celebrity brand or whether it was clean or organic or that it made me feel good or that you know I mean, it just takes me, the, this whole thing takes me down a path of just hatred towards the the current spectrum of marketing and how brands see the consumer. They think slap a pretty bottle together, put a celebrity behind it, and suddenly you've got a winner. And yeah, you do. 
and it's not because it's great product. It's because people are, how do I put this? Star fuckers. Okay, wait, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. Uh, the superstar whiskey of 2021 is going to be two things. It's going to be endorsed by a celebrity and it's going to come in a frosted bottle. I'm, I'm going on record as saying this is my bold prediction for the year that the whiskey that outsells them all is some brand endorsed by some movie star and comes in a frosted bottle. That's just ma marketing magic. Mm. For literally everyone on the planet's sake, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> marketing consultants at resonant pros please uh please message me please dm me let's talk about uh my prediction yeah please send resonant please. pros the checks yes please don't please don't message me um yeah all right um so i don't know i thought maybe we'd take tonight our first episode um talk a little bit about what we're drinking tonight i like Will that you? life plan. it's a great idea i'm good Julia, what are you drinking? I'm 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 most curious about what you've got going on over there. Starting with me, eh? uh, I have a Buffalo Trace, but not just any Buffalo Trace. One day we will have an episode talking about all about hunters, but that's another time. Uh, this is a single barrel select pick from a store here in Connecticut, uh, and they sold out in a week. Um, I tried it and I thought it had so much more character and also the store doesn't really jack up their prices for Buffalo Trace or, you know, unique products or not unique, but like allocated products or whatever. Um, they keep things very consumer friendly. So that's great. So single barrel Buffalo Trace, 45% alcohol, um, no age statement or anything. I don't need to read the back, but let's, uh, take a wee sniff here shall we i'm uh, for anyone who cares i fancy the glen cairn glass for my nosing a whiskey got that quintessential sweet nose caramel caramel and vanilla right off the bat followed by some sweet corn um a little bit of like a dusty grain note which is just really enticing this has also been sitting in the glass for a while since we've been chatting this entire time. So it's had time to kind of burn off that hot alcohol vibe it was giving off earlier. It's just a rich, deep nose. I'm now getting, oh, there's a banana, banana bready sort of note in here too, which is delightful. And there's a bit of an underlying creaminess to everything. So very pleasant nose very exciting makes me definitely want to taste what's in it so let's do that shall we hmm. you can definitely tell slightly higher alcohol than their normal offering it is a little bit hot kind of prickly before the flavors start coming in it's not quite as sweet on the palate as it was on the nose getting that grain that dusty grain note is much more prominent um and then kind of like a caramel brittle or toffee like a toffee brittle i guess nuttiness on this one too like a dry sort of 
peanut, not not salted or anything, just kind of dry roasted peanuts. Mm. Kind of a medium finish. There's some good spiciness going on, like cinnamon, nutmeg, a little bit of allspice in there. Also, just a hint of a herbal note, like fresh herbs. So nicely warming all the way down. It's a good dram, definitely worth the 30 or so I paid for it. It has a really nice character. So cheers, guys. Cheers. Um, that was you, got, you got next, Justin, because I'm not following that. <laughs> and I was going to say the same to you. Um, all right. Well, let me let me pour myself a tiny bit more. I'm drinking the Maddie Gladden. Um, this is from a distillery in Indiana, Spirits of French Lick. Um, I actually interviewed the distiller uh, a few months back for the American whiskey book that I'm working on. Um, I'm excited to taste um, Indiana bourbon um, that's not MGP. Not that MGP is is bad. It's actually one of the most prolific distilleries in the country. For those who don't know, we will definitely get into MGP much later on. But um, so um, I am not nosing this one. I'm actually just, it's in a whiskey glass, um, a good old regular rocks glass, big heavy bottom. I believe this is Luigi Bormioli and I've only got like two of these. Um, I'm super, I, I love this, this particular glass. Did you just fucking name drop on glassware? <laughs> I, I did not intentionally, um, but Julia's yeah, Julia's it, review was good, but was it that good that you had to do that? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Somebody's gonna name drop sometime. <laughs> so, all right. Um, let's see. What am I? I'm not gonna do the whole nosing and tasting thing. I'm just gonna taste and tell you about the whiskey. Um, so this is a straight bourbon, minimum four years. It's fantastic. It's a hundred proof. So 50% ABV, 55% corn, 35% rye, 10% malted barley. Uh, the malted barley gives it this really interesting kind of apple pie, apple cinnamon type of note. Um, definitely some, uh, some stone fruit there, apricot, but not just any apricot, like honey dipped apricots, things like, um, what do you call that? Honeysuckle. Um, really nice. It does have a touch of smoke and it's got some heat. Um, it's, it's youthful. I'm actually looking forward to seeing this, um, see what happens to this mash bill in a barrel for another few years. I think it'd be interesting as a 10 year old whiskey. Um, let me be clear. A lot of people will say that, oh, I'd love to see this in a few years. This whiskey is very good on its own. Um, it doesn't have to, you know, go another four or so years to be great. It's great as it is. I just think it'd be interesting with this particular mash bill and this particular distiller, what this whiskey tastes like in another six years so that it's, you know, a nice 10-year-old whiskey. Um, on the palate, I get more of that stone fruit. I get a little bit of spice, apple pie, um, a tiny bit of rye. It is a little bit of a higher rye bourbon uh, mash bill. Um, and I definitely get cedar drawer, cigar ash. Um, uh, the finish for me is actually long. Um, and to me, that's about 10 and a half, 11 seconds um, of spice, vanilla sweetness and then what do you expect on the finish still being there after that 10 second once you've swallowed it so that's that's right around there a little bit of uh, lingering rye spice just a really nice um, a really nice sipper 
Um, That's delightful. I believe this is also bottled and bond, which is really cool. Um, yeah, this is definitely something that I would revisit. And I'm not someone who revisits things a lot. <laughs> um, really nice. I kind of want to throw uh, throw some ice in there and see what see what happens. Maybe I'll throw in a little bitters too, just to see what I can what I can come up with. What was the name of that again? Uh, the Maddie Gladden from uh, <clears throat> from Spirits of French Lick. And keep in mind, uh, everyone who's listening, you can also see our reviews on the website, and you can also see we'll post pictures and we'll have little sixty second snippets of reviews. By the way, we do those blind uh, on our social media, so you can go to at Swig and Ramble and see all that fun stuff too. Well, that's all the time we have. So uh, uh, nice drive. Not getting out of that so easily, old man. Mm-hmm. What are you drinking? What are you talking about? Well, tonight <laughs> yeah. in in my glass, I've got a special story about uh, this particular bottle, and it's it's something that's fairly innocuous. It's just a bottle of well, our special reserve, but I belong to one of my local bourbon groups and uh, a very nice other member put up a contest and said, hey, I've got too many bottles. I'm going to put up a raffle, do a randomized draw um, in all of my bourbon experience, which can fit into a thimble. Um, I've actually never had Weller. Uh, so I threw my hat in the ring and I won the bottle and it's just plain green label Weller special reserve. Uh, so I think some people were very quick to kind of turn their nose up at it, but it was a special experience for me. So to me, it's a little bit more about what the story is versus all of the other things. I'll name drop on my glass. I have a Libby glass uh, by American. Um, it is a uh, low ball tumbler that has a very wide opening, so I can stick my enormous nose in it and smell some things that are going on. You know, really, this is very simple bourbon. It's got a very strong honey character. Um, I pick up a little bit of vanilla. Uh, I got to be honest, I've never tasted banana in a bourbon, and I'm not sure how I'd feel about that uh, because banana, banana is very sort of distinctive. Anyways, I'm getting I'm getting off on a tangent, but um, I was speaking to someone, and they were telling me about how to nose a glass and and how to approach bourbon. So if you you know sort of start on the edge and you kind of get down in the middle and and there's different notes that are gonna come out as a part of that. And what you're picking up on the edges is you're picking up sort of the higher end of what's going on. So as I as I do this, you know, I'm, I'm picking up a very sort of strong honey, sugary character, a little bit of a vanilla. And if I get deeper down into that glass, into the middle of the glass, I get that oak character. I get that. I get that. I get that barrel note that that's that's deep down inside, and I think that that's pretty typical of the experience. Given that this is special reserve, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a drink here. So if I start coughing, cover for me. Hard pass. I forgot to look at the. Uh, we're looking at 90 proof, so this doesn't jump up and punch you in the face very hard, but it's got a little bit of a kick to it. A little bit of a burn. Same thing. This has been sitting in my glass, so I think. The ethanol's kind of burned off that sort of initial pour. It's, as I mentioned earlier, it's got that rough edge of American bourbon. It's got that kind of burn and kind of feel. Um, I taste the sugar. I taste the oak. I take the. I taste the vanilla for sure. Um, and, and I think a lot of it, you know, to me, it's 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 the 360, right? It's the experience. 
in knowing that this is kind of a special bottle to me, um, but it's also delving into something new and exploring uh, to get to know something. And as it, as as I've had the drink now for a moment and been speaking, there's a little bit of a longer finish. Uh, you know, it's probably got the legs of uh, a, a particularly raw and young bourbon, but uh, it's still great. I'm enjoying it. Huzzah! Great. Well, cheers to you. Thank you, cheers thank you, you, thank you for patronizing my shitty review. It wasn't as good cheers as yours, to but us. let's make it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. That's what we're here for. Well, listen, uh, I I know we're going to wrap up here for in a few minutes, but I think it's important. Something that's really kind of near and dear to my heart is uh, I, I'd really like to give a shout out to the people who are here with us in the beginning. Um, we're very small. Uh, we want you to tell your friends about what it is that we're doing, uh, but we want to show some appreciation to those early people that jumped in with us and are going along with this venture. So um, once again, I'm going to ask you guys to raise your glass. Um, if you're listening along, raise your glass too. Cheers to all of the people that joined us right away. What, what are we, what are we calling them, Justin? Cheers to the Ramblers. Cheers to the Ramblers. Cheers. Side note, there were a few other things we were thinking about calling them. Those all got vetoed. So we went with Ramblers. <laughs> you can do the math in your head. Yes. <laughs> so. All right. So what's coming up next? What are we going to be discussing next time? Um, you definitely want to join us next week. We are going to be discussing those assholes who walk into a store and only want Pappy. Great subject. Oh, the things I have to say. Julia, Justin, I just want to say thanks. It's been great spending time with you today. Cheers, lads. It's been a fun one. Till next week. Till next week. Uh, if we make it that long. Yeah, it's true. My liver. It's a bit iffy. I didn't get to say fuck, so I want to just say that. Just if we all get into trouble. Well, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Follow us at Swig and Ramble on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for more fermented fuckery. Cheers! <laughs>